I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Nice Trade Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, Indeed, and Bet Online. Week eight, nearly halfway through the NFL season, and I am joined by my good friend Dan Sanyo and his Luigi mustache. I feel like did, did, the, <laughs> did the Luigi mustache get, get trimmed since, since uh, Halloween? It did. It did. It had to. Uh, it, it was. It was there for a month, and it was pretty much all I could do. So I had to. I took most of it off. There's still enough there where it's, you know, basically still a full mustache. Uh, you would think from uh, Dan's wife's Facebook page that the comments were either one way or the other. There was one person that was like, "Please, <laughs> please tell me that isn't Dan's real mustache." And then there was me putting the uh, eggplant emoji. So, you know, very family friendly. <laughs> yeah, some coworkers were pretty upset that it got trimmed as well. They liked they liked seeing it twisted up on the sides like I was Waluigi instead of just Luigi. So it um, yeah, no, it was it was a good Halloween. We we stayed close and, and just kind of went to a couple houses where we knew people. So everything worked out nicely. And uh, I'm back. I missed last week, unfortunately. But here we are. Like you said, week eight in the in the books. Uh, Scott Fishbowl going surprisingly well. Knock on wood, seven and one. I think I'm in like a hundred and twentieth place or something overall out of I don't know like a million teams, whatever that equates to. So how is your uh, Scott Fishbowl team doing? I, I think I'm around the same place with you. I I, uh, I think I'm six and two, um, and and I, and I was. Five and zero. I was five and zero. Then lost two straight, and then I think I scored two hundred fifty points last week. So, wow. uh, <laughs> it was a good week for Team Nathan in the fishbowl, and I hope it's a good week for our listeners as they are going to hear us talk about the Tennessee Titans wide receivers. Corey Davis is having himself a better season than expected. Uh, in week eight, he scored. 26.8 fantasy points. Both he and A.J. Brown have missed time this year, but they've also been been putting up similar levels of production. Obviously, A.J. Brown at a much more expensive price. Now, where do you see these two players' dynasty values? Do you see that maybe Brown is being a bit overvalued, Davis is more undervalued, or is it somewhere in between? I think A.J. Brown has kind of always been overvalued. He's got really, really massive games, but he doesn't really have an established floor, at least not one a wide receiver one would have. Uh, we, ha- we haven't quite gotten to that point yet. I do think that he's still on his way. I don't think he's a, he's a complete product at this point. 
obviously very good. And, and when he's heavily involved in the game, it's, it's special. Um, but he can disappear, and defenses can take him away, which I think obviously bodes really well for Corey Davis. Now, whether or not he's a Tennessee Titan for you know the long run is, I guess, up in the air still. But I do think that he definitely can be a, a, a high-end wide receiver, too, in an NFL offense. Not necessarily a dynasty wide receiver, too, but I do think Corey Davis is very good. I think we wanted him to be that alpha type uh, coming out, but I think I think he does, like most wide receivers, there's very few true ones in the NFL right now that can take over a game on their own. Corey Davis is a very good complimentary piece, and I would love to see him stick in, in Tennessee. We'll see what the contracts look like and how everything shapes up, but um, I do think he's pretty undervalued still, and A.J. Brown isn't crazily overvalued. I, I just I think he's a little bit high. Yeah, I, I do tend to lean more to lean more towards Corey Davis being undervalued of the two. So, I mean, I you know me, I, I like the young wide receivers that produce early on in the career, and that's AJ Brown to a T. In the past three weeks before week eight, we had twenty one points, twenty two points, twenty seven points in PPR. So definitely a solid little streak there after he missed a few games with injury. And the concern with this offense and with Corey Davis more so than Brown was: is there going to be enough passing volume in this offense to support both these guys? And it's kind of showing that there is. Um, they're not just running the ball with Derrick Henry 30 times. They don't have an RB2 to be seen. Darrington Evans is on IR. And I think they've had like, you know, every other uh, terrible running back from 10 years ago on their roster in the RB2 <laughs> position. So plenty to go around for A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Maybe not so much Johnny Smith for those who were hoping for a breakout from him. But I think both these guys, I think that I, I just picked in a DLF mock. I believe I got Corey Davis in like the late seventh round. And I think that's a very solid value for him at this point with you know the upside that he's shown. So, yeah, I, I, I like Davis value more, but I still think both, both guys are decent values. Definitely. And I think a lot of, of well, definitely Corey Davis being undervalued and obviously him not really performing up to what we kind of expected as a first round wide receiver. Um, that definitely hindered his value quite a bit, but also people really underestimating Ryan Tannehill. I'm guilty of that. I think most everyone is guilty of that. Um, we that, that Gase effect, you know, it takes it takes over some players, and they never really lose that stigma until they prove it. You know, at least for a, a calendar year. And, and Ryan Tannehill definitely has done that. And you did mention Johnny Smith, who started off really hot. He's been quiet over the last couple of weeks, still kind of fighting back from injury, but. Uh, I think there's plenty of volume for that offense. I think it can support a tight end still. I think you can you can definitely have two, I would say, at least wide receiver twos in that offense based on what Ryan Tannehill has been able to do. And obviously, uh, it's still going to be a run-heavy offense, but it, it seems like they just like to use what works, and that's really their main piece is you're not seeing a whole lot of trickery, a whole lot of, of you know, big sets. It, it's just kind of – it's just an offense that works. They're not – they're not flashy. They just they use their players to their best abilities, and and they game plan that way, and it, it works. Obviously, they've been playing really well. Last two weeks haven't really really gone their way, but they started off hot. So that and and Vrabel is becoming a rare uh, Belichick disciple that isn't incompetent. So <laughs> Vrabel has has had a good coaching season, even if he has had a, I think he lost one of the last couple of weeks. Anyways. Let's stay in the AFC South, and we're going to go with the guy who has disappointed so far this season, especially for Dynasty managers. It's been one Jonathan Taylor. Uh, over the last few weeks, he has 
we'll go with 22 yards rushing, 60 yards rushing, 57 yards rushing, and 68, 59. Only one performance over 100 uh, rushing yards so far this season. Did have 55 receiving yards in, in week six. But for the most part, it's been a little bit less than we expected, uh, a little bit less, uh, you know, uh, touches, and then a little bit less than what we thought we would see from those touches from John Taylor, especially after the Marlon Mack injury. You know, we saw 101 yards and a touchdown in week two after Mack injury. Like, okay, we're going to see more of this. We haven't seen much of that as of late. So this is tough because I don't really – I haven't seen any Jonathan Taylor trades in my leagues. Do you think we're just not going to see any? Or do you think just not enough people have, you know, put out the feelers yet? Um, it's one of those weird ones where you have the elite talent in a perfect situation that, I mean, he's just a rookie. He's not performing right now. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of movement. If, if you do have owners that are getting antsy and are looking for production now that are maybe trying to contend and you're able to get a little bit of a discount on Jonathan Taylor, I really think it's a great time to buy. However, I, I just don't really see a lot of at least good owners out shopping Jonathan Taylor, moving him. He's a rookie in an offense, and he's gonna he's gonna stick here for a while. You know, he's been pretty underwhelming for the most part. But again, he's a rookie, and if you go back to the off season pre Marlon Mack injury, I think the consensus was it was going to be Marlon Mack for the first month or two until Jonathan Taylor kind of got everything uh, you know ready to go, assuming health and he was kind of thrown into the role immediately. No, you know, limited training camp or no training camp, you know, very limited off season because of COVID and started off really slow. And then with a massive bang week two in Minnesota uh, or against Minnesota, and then just kind of is slowly just tailing off a little bit to deal with a little bit of injury bug. You know, it's going to take time. I think, I think jumping the bug or jumping the gun sometimes with rookies is isn't always the right move. They they they've got to get used to the game. It's completely different. So I, I think I think if you can buy Jonathan Taylor at any discount, even honestly, market value might not be super crazy if he's going like early second as far as startup value goes. I think he's probably a first round pick. But if you can get him second round startup value, like that's probably a decent buy. See, I, I think he'd be even cheap. Like, the name I was going to throw at you as a possible, because obviously when you're looking for trying to buy a player like Taylor, you need to give production that's happening right now because offering a future pick for Taylor doesn't do anything because, like, if you're selling Taylor, you're doing so to try and gain value in the, in, in, the, in the present because you know you're losing value in the future by selling low on a guy who has as much upside as he does. So here's a name that, might be way off because I am very high on this guy, but Kareem Hunt, is that super low, kind of low, or is that like the type of player you would float out in a buy low offer right now? That's super low to me. I'm not a massive Kareem Hunt guy. I still think he's a limited touch, explosive play, pass catcher. That, That offense works way better when Nick Chubb's in there and they can still utilize Kareem Hunt. It's not a Kareem Hunt offense. I think we've seen that pretty clearly. What I'm going to be completely honest with you and say is not only would I go a lot higher, I would probably try to capitalize on name value right now. And it probably wouldn't be a one for one, but if I could make a deal where I'm selling Ezekiel Elliott to get Jonathan Taylor and a little something, I'm making that move because Zeke is going to be. I mean, everyone's selling, everyone's selling Zeke for penis. 
granted, it was uh, the same owner multiple times, but I basically saw Zeke trade for Antonio Gibson like four times last week. Well, that's just stupid. That's why you don't play with <laughs> bad people. Um, I mean, Zeke's still a, a top six pick, right? I would assume as far as no. ADP goes. I, I, I mean, the ADP is being collected right now. I guarantee you that Zeke isn't, isn't a first-round pick in, in November ADP. I find that very hard to believe. But if that's the case, then, I mean, that's still probably even a one-for-one trade I would move. I would think Ezekiel Elliott still has more name value than, than that. But. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, because Taylor's value has dropped as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting name. The only problem there is that the present value, I'm not sure what present value you get with Zeke in an incompetent Dallas offense in, you know, the present day. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, then, then you can still live off the name with Zeke because, oh, we still have 2021 in the future and he signed for this long and he's the heart of the offense Right, but, back. but if you're if you're selling Taylor, you're selling for for points now for the, for the most part. Right, so that's what I'm saying. As a Zeke owner, try to use Zeke to get Taylor and something, even if it's a one for one. Make that right, right. Taylor. Saying, owner. I want to do that from the Taylor owner. Right, the right. Taylor owner wants points. That's what we're talking about, though. We're, we were talking about buying Jonathan Taylor. I'm, we're not selling Jonathan Taylor right now. We're talking about buying Jonathan Taylor, not right, with Cream you know. Hunt because that's not close, but with Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, Zeke is Zeke is technically a top. I think eight pick, six pick, and technically a couple spots behind, according to Ryan McDowell and DLS. That's ADP. October, though. That's pre-DAC injury. Uh, nope, that's new November round one ADP based on the lovely at Ryan MC twenty three oh, November okay. ADP. That's wild to me. Okay. Let's go on to the San Francisco 49ers. They have a pair of big injuries. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo out for the foreseeable future. Nick Mullins in. And George Kittle out for the foreseeable future. I believe the back injury? Uh, that sounds right. Um, and this 49ers offense is all sorts of injured. Basically, Brandon Ayuk is the only one left. <laughs> Everyone else is injured. So are you using this as a buying opportunity for Kittle? Uh, do you think that this is going to kind of hide the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't an NFL starter? What are your What's your thoughts on these injuries shaking out in Dynasty? Yeah, I think, I mean, the big news, obviously, is Kittle, the hairline fracture in his foot. He's he's saying, hey, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. But realistically, this is a short-term IR, and we'll see him in two months type, type deal. I think, honestly, the offense probably doesn't really miss a beat. I mean, not having George Kittle, obviously, is massive. But... That offense with Kyle Shanahan is so functional that whether it's Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, it, it, you know, it's not a big drop-off from Jimmy Garoppolo, especially an injury-ridden Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I think the big, the big issues are going to be whether or not Debo Samuel stays healthy and if they have any semblance of a running back core that can continue to ride that, that Shanahan wave. Yeah, we all know how he likes to utilize his running back, so... If Hasty and McKinnon can stay healthy, uh, it sounds like Tevin's probably going to be back out a while now. Uh, who knows the most hurt? If he's is he uh, is that year end IR or is he? Oh uh, yes, I, I think this one was year end. Yes, I, I didn't I didn't remember the specifics on it. So it, it's you know it, it's a weird one. Not having Kittle, I think, is the big thing. It'd be a massive buying opportunity again if it's on a contender and they they're thinking, hey, I don't have eight weeks to give up. You know, make a move with T.J. Hawkinson or. Or if you can if you can add something to Evan Engram and go get Kittle, you know moves like that are really really smart moves to make right now. Uh, unless you're contending, then I get it. But in the end, 
you're going to gain so much value by trying to buy injured players. I think that's something that, that definitely gets talked about, but really not harped on. If you're buying players and you don't necessarily have to have points right this minute, and even then, you should still really do it. If you have some value to throw around and go buy an injured player, you're never going to get them cheaper than when they're injured. Now, I think we've actually had this conversation privately when you were trying to sell me Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in a 2QB league. But I, I, I feel like his job security might officially be gone with this injury, not because Nick Mullins is going to win the job, but because Jimmy G is not going to have the opportunity to show why he still needs the job. And even if he could, he's not going to, cause he's not good. So uh, what's, what's the story of San Francisco? Do you think that he ends up being a, a cut candidate? Do you think that they end up going quarterback in the draft? What are they doing at quarterback there? Cause as we've talked about, that wide receiving core is kind of growing into something attractive with George Kittle, with George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. Those are all attractive by weapons. What are we doing for quarterback there? Uh, it's again, it's a weird one because you have a pile of mediocre quarterbacks, all of which are probably career backup types. But again, because of the offense, you can make mediocre players good and make them look good. Jimmy got rushed back from injury again. I still think he's an, at least a competent starter. I don't think he's great. I probably don't even think he's good. But I do think he's right on that edge of NFL starter and really good NFL backup. I think Nick Mullins is right there as well as far as the kind of upper echelon of really good backups. And even C.J. Beathard is a really competent backup. I don't think he's an NFL starter. I think Nick Mullins is closer to that. So honestly one of these guys really could be the starter for this year or next year or whenever, whenever, whenever the Niners really think that they need to make a move there. I could see them trying to get out from under Jimmy Garoppolo, but honestly, are you going to find cheaper help that's as competent without getting really old really fast? Maybe they still think a healthy Jimmy can do it. You know, we go from injury to injury to injury and all of this is starting to compound and it doesn't really look good for him. But again, it's not really his fault that he got injured and then got rushed back from another injury to get injured again. So it's a it's a really, really weird spot. Uh, I don't I don't love any of the guys. I think I'm probably avoiding the Niners unless you're going after the pass catchers, whether it's Debo, whether it's Ayuk or whether it's Kittle. I think those should be your main targets right now while this offense kind of is all over the place. Um, yeah, I could definitely see them going like second round quarterback, though, in, in an upcoming draft to just kind of get somebody that has some arm talent and make them work in the Shanahan offense. And let's stay in the NFC West with DJ Dallas making his either NFL debut or certainly his quote unquote breakout in week eight uh, with all of the injuries to the Seattle uh, backfield. I feel like that's like been, uh, you know, injuries population Seattle in the, in the backfield lately. So what are your thoughts on Dallas? I believe he was a, a fourth round pick in this past draft and he didn't do much in their early season at all, but now he's kind of thrust into this opportunity. Yeah, it's a product of opportunity for sure. As a lot of the kind of mid to late round or undrafted running back work is when these injuries start to hit. Uh, obviously, no Chris Carson, no Rashad Penny. So we move to DJ Dallas. To me, always kind of just felt like not really a great football player. Obviously, getting an NFL draft pick, you know, that, that means something. But 
Um, you know, I, I, again, I think it's a product of opportunity. I think this is an, a clear sell if you have him somewhere and somebody's chasing points. Didn't look even remotely exciting while out there. I think he had something like two yards per carry, which I know isn't a great metric to look at. And he averaged like three yards per catch. So uh, it is what it is in an explosive offense like that to not be real efficient. Even really only getting your first kind of work in the, in the NFL. Uh, I was it was really underwhelming to me. I think his his big time upside is probably through the air if they continue to use him as maybe a pass catching back. But I think this offense. But that, but that is funny because he, he averaged three yards per catch on five catches, and he ever and you know he only had four catches prior to this past week. And so yeah, I mean I'm with you. If you can get a second for him right now, it's probably a move I'd be willing to make, uh, unless I'm just absolutely RB desperate and I have. You know, and I'm a competing team. But if you're a competing team and you need DJ Dallas, you maybe aren't actually a competitor. <laughs> you're, probably, you're probably not competing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely a sell opportunity with uh, his opportunity he has right now. And when he's one of those things that, like, he disappears. As soon as Chris Carson's healthy again, he's gone. And it doesn't. he's never going to matter ever again. And while we're talking about it, maybe uh, slide into the DMs of the Rashad Penny owner and just say what's up. I, I can't do that anymore, Dan. <laughs> my heart hurts too much. <laughs> you know what doesn't make my heart hurt, though? Getting a job. That's right. Getting a job with our friends over at Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. And you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. This is their best offer available anywhere. Again, go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Now let's move on to another breakout receiver, and that is one Travis Fulgham. Uh, one of those guys that we've been waiting for the production to stop. We've been waiting for Jalen Rager to get healthy, Dallas Goddard to get healthy, and say, oh, well, forget about Travis Fulgham because all these other guys are back. Well, now they're back, and Fulgham is still making plays. So we don't think DJ Dallas is here to stay, but it's Travis Fulgham. Uh, oddly enough, yes. I do think he will honestly maintain a wide receiver two role in this offense once Rager's healthy. He's looked really good, on, to be <laughs> to be frank. I mean, he's he's got the prototypical size that you're looking for, that 6'2", 6'3", like 220-ish. Think what you want about Carson Wentz. I still think he's very mediocre, but he's pretty damn efficient for the most part when throwing it to Fulgham. Uh, I think he had maybe against the Giants was 
was a little underwhelming when throwing that direction, but he's caught a touchdown in four of his five games played. And I mean, the points don't stop. You said it, man. We we've been waiting for it. Like, all right. Yep. The other guys will be coming back. You know, let's, let's see what he does with JJ Arcega Whiteside. Nothing. Let's see what he does with Jalen Rager. Well, nothing. Alshon Jeffrey's dead. All the other guys suck. He's proving that he can play. So I think this one might stick. I I maybe would consider selling at this point if somebody's genuinely interested and willing to pay. Um, but I, I think the points might continue, honestly. I mean, who else are they going to throw it to? Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that usually with these guys that get the high volume because there's no, no, no one around them, when those guys start to trickle back in, they lose that volume. That didn't happen at least in, in the first week with Goddard and Rager back in the lineup. So I think he's here to stay as the wide receiver too. Alshon Jeffrey, I don't understand why he's not on IR because he just hasn't played this year. Um, and then uh, Deshaun Jackson, I'm not sure why he still is in the NFL. And so when, you, when it comes down to it, it's really just Rager, Goddard, and Fulgham as receivers for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, uh, Travis or, or Travis Hurts. Uh, Zach Hurts is out, so, I mean, that's... Oh, he, he retired, too. He's, he's done. He's, he, <laughs> yeah. he has retired, just like how Alshon Jeffrey's been on the pup list for, I don't know, was it seven years running now? Something like that. It's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, the opportunity is definitely there, and he continues to do it. Uh, I think it's a very different situation than with DJ Dallas, who we just talked about. Uh, he's more of a product of opportunity, but and you can argue right away. Fulgham was a guy; it was a product of opportunity, but he keeps producing and he keeps looking really good when on the field. So I have to imagine Peterson's going to stick with him. Carson Wentz obviously likes to throw it to him, so uh, I think they can build around this this offense a little bit better. Obviously, you have Miles Sanders, you have you know a, a, probably a top five or top ten tight end in Dallas Goddard. Uh, you've got big hopes in Jalen Rager, and now you've got Travis Fulgham. So I think. I think we're seeing that offense kind of shape up a little bit. You look for a couple more playmakers maybe um, and get a little bit of speed. And I, I think you're, I think you're in a really good place as a, as an Eagle. What's up listeners. This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business. And I know it as a special thank you. I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. And let's go to the Bears with Darnell Mooney. We have Alan Robinson as a pending free agent. We have Anthony Miller as a pending bust. And so we have Darnell Mooney as the future of the Chicago Bears receiving core. And for better or worse, uh, he had 17.9 fantasy points in week eight. And it seems like he has some sort of a connection with Nick Foles. So what are our thoughts on Mooney here? He actually is the type that I tend to look at late in the preseason when I'm looking at guys who likely aren't on rosters who were NFL draft picks. Darnell Mooney wasn't on rosters in, you know, 24 to 26 uh, roster leagues. And that shouldn't really be the case with guys that went, 
yeah, it really got selected maybe before the seventh round. You know, for the most part, guys taken in the seventh round in the NFL draft often don't even make the team. But guys who make the fifth round, there there have been guys in recent years in fifth round making, you know, big impacts like Tyree Kill and Stephon Biggs. And so oftentimes when, you, when you're doing that, you're looking for guys that were high, high, um, high product, like, you know, high ri- rivals ratings and things like that. But anyways, what I'm saying is that the fifth round, yes, it's a much higher bust rate than the, you know, third round, but it isn't a wasteland. It isn't like get taken in the fifth round. You shouldn't be on a nice roster. Oh, no doubt. And you mentioned the, the connection with Nick Foles. He's been really consistent all year, whether it was Trubisky or Foles now. Um, he's been a part of the offense all year. And you mentioned A-Rob as, as you know, a, a impending free agent. I think we all can agree that Anthony Miller just isn't really that good. He's a role player in an NFL offense. I, I think he can be used, but he's he's a key component. And I get a lot of Emmanuel Sanders vibes from Darnell Mooney. Uh, I think he's, you know, obviously he's just a rookie, but he's been really consistent. And he's he's looked really good for, for the Bears when he's been on the field, obviously. Allen Robinson's been the alpha in that offense, and I don't think Mooney will ever be any sort of wide receiver one in an offense, but um, there's there's a lot to like there. I, I think, well, honestly, he was kind of looked over pretty heavily, like you mentioned. He wasn't on rosters, uh, mid-round pick. He's got a lot of the, the really nice metrics you like to see, you know, uh, aside from being undersized. You know, he's got a really nice breakout age, 18. Uh, his college yards per catch and target share and everything, his dominator rating, everything is up in that like 75th or higher percentile. And to me, that just you know kind of screams sleeper and someone that's going to continue to do it. And I, I think the Bears are going to stick with him for a little while as well. Not having Tariq Cohen, I think, has been a really big boost for Mooney uh, in that aspect. But like I said, he's been consistent all year, and I do think he's someone that can stick around and, and continue to contribute for the Bears, who desperately need playmakers and pass catchers. So uh, I think he would be one that I might even start searching and, and looking at maybe adding him here and there in, in return for a, mid, a mid-draft a mid pick or maybe maybe trading some some old points or or some maybe a rookie that hasn't played or a rookie that has kind of been underwhelming making a move like Michael Pittman for Darnell Mooney and something moves, moves kind of like that are, are things that I think I'd, I'd start to look at because I do think Darnell Mooney sticks. I think he sticks around and I think he puts up points consistently. Alrighty. Let's wrap up the show with a preview going into next week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to, or no, or they host the New Orleans Saints. On Sunday Night Football, this should be an interesting game because it's possible the Bucs get Chris Godwin back. But more intriguingly, uh, Antonio Brown is reunited with Tom Brady. And this offense is going to be nuts. (laughs) Antonio Brown, if Antonio Brown can keep his head somewhat on straight, I don't really see how, like, Brady has shown this year that he can make the most basic of plays and he's not going to make anything more than that. Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will allow him to make the most basic of plays and nothing beyond that and still be great using those basic plays. Someone will always be so open. (laughs) It's going to be ridiculous. Even if you throw in Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, who have shown pretty useful as far as the offense goes, we're seeing Gronk come alive here late. There's there's no way you can cover all of them. You have one of the 
best wide receivers in the history of the NFL in Antonio Brown, who definitely still has it mentally, maybe not physically. Absolutely. You have two amazing young wide receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who definitely still have it. Who the hell are you going to cover? We had this conversation early in the, in the off season after the Cowboys drafted CD lamb and no one was covering all of these wide receivers when Dak was healthy and when they were all healthy. What's going to happen we, here? When you have we, we also, we also had this conversation w- when Brown was rumored to the Seahawks. We're like, right. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, I mean, Metcalf and Lockett or Evans and, and Godwin. How, uh, what? How do you, I mean, the, the only difference is I, I'd rather there have Russell Wilson than Tom Brady. Well, yes, yes. But still, I mean, Brady's not making mistakes. And that's, yeah. that's the big part of it. He's not going to be turning the ball over. So when they get the ball, chances are they're probably scoring points. Think about how crazy that is. Yeah, and I, I will say in terms of like a fantasy perspective, I still don't think Antonio Brown's worth more than a second. If you can get a first for him, take it. I wouldn't sell him for a second personally. Nope. Just because you got to at least see what's going to happen in Tampa before selling for a second. And in terms of like a th- this week thing, I don't, th- I don't think, unless you're the most desperate of desperate from injuries and bye weeks, I don't think you can confidently put Antonio Brown in your lineup week one. Unless, if there's no Godwin, I can see it. I can see your argument for Antonio Brown. Because like, we saw how much Jaden Mickens got. Every target Jaden Mickens got is going to get, be given to Antonio Brown if there's no Chris Godwin. And Scotty Miller too. Uh, there's no, those. I, I, I think I I think because Tom Brady's Tom Brady, Scotty Miller is going to get touches even with Antonio Brown. <laughs> he's got he's got to keep the white wide receiver involved. I, I guess fine. I get it. Um, I think what's going to happen is whether it's this week or next, AB is going to have like a ten for one twenty and two type game, and you'll be able to sell him for whatever first you want to get from someone. I would probably hold off until you can get a first-round pick for him because I'm not selling him for a second either. The upside is so ridiculously high, especially if Godwin's out for any significant amount of time. We've seen this offense funnel through one wide receiver. It really hasn't been Mike Evans unless Godwin's been hurt, and it's pretty much only been Godwin regardless. So if Godwin's out and AB's in now, and if he can get those Scotty Miller looks – I'm going to go ahead and on a limb here and say that AB's probably going to be a little more efficient with Scotty Miller looks than Scotty Miller, right? <laughs> so if he eats into that work, plus he's getting any sort of Godwin share while they're also keeping Mike Evans fed to keep him not from not being disgruntled from only getting <laughs> two targets per game. Uh, it's, I mean, it, honestly, they probably got better with Godwin being hurt. Think about that. <laughs> yes, it'll certainly be a fun game to watch. That'll do it for this week's Tradecast. But before we head out, let's t- talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. Again, that's BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, it's all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And that wraps up for tonight. Uh, any last words, Dan? 
Uh, me love you a long time. Kadoosh! Wash your hands.